The following podcast is a Dear Media production. What's up, everyone? I'm Kristen Cavallari. And I'm Stephen Coletti. We're so excited to announce Dear Media's new podcast, Back to the Beach with Kristen and Stephen, where we'll revisit all of your favorite episodes of Laguna Beach, The Real Orange County, and unveil behind-the-scenes secrets, tea, and all sorts of new insight into this groundbreaking show. So join us every Tuesday. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm already feeling nostalgic. Hey guys, this is Note to Self, and I'm your host, Peyton Sarton. From Q&As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives, and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Mary. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. We are in a very official studio right now. I know. It's almost adding to the pressure a little bit because it feels so professional. You've got a spotlight on you and we don't have video going on right now, but sometimes they take video places and that's even more pressure Mm -hmm. because you have to like look normal too as you're doing things. We've talked about that before, just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to exist like a normal person. So I met Mary recently, but we've been following each other on TikTok for a little while. Y'all might have seen Mary on TikTok before if you're on that. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to give a little backstory on you to the audience. I found it really interesting when we chatted over like happy hour. We were supposed to go to happy hour and then we ended up at like six drinks deep. I'm just supposed to be happy hour. And then (laughs) it was just night. (laughs) Several very strong rum drinks later. Yeah, that was a lot going on. It was good time. We just chatted forever. But you were telling me about your childhood and how you grew up. And we were just Mm -hmm. laughing about how different it is you know, it was than mine. Of course, I've had my dad on the show talking about being a fighter pilot and he's very like, and then we were traveling at Mach 2 and then like he's so intense. Um, And we were discussing your childhood, which I thought was just sounded in comparison so idyllic. So can you tell us a little about growing up and everything like that? Yeah. In comparison, my parents, total hippies, total (laughs) hippies. So I have five siblings. I'm the fifth out of six kids. And I grew up in southeastern Virginia, right on the coast. And my parents have this big stretch of land and it's all forest. And they're also mega hippies, like mega. And people ask me like, oh, what does that mean? I'm like, well, we grew up vegan. We were homeschooled. My mom made her own bread. She brews her own kombucha. She grows her own mushrooms. Sometimes she would dye her own clothes, (laughs) stuff like that. And we were a very outdoorsy bunch. We didn't go on a lot of big vacations. We would go camping all the time. Mm -hmm. So being homeschooled, we would just take field trips constantly. Or maybe my mom called them field trips so that it, would, it wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go off in the woods and yeah. like have fun for a while. That's such a big contrast to what my life is now. But I look back at it now as an adult and I really love it so much because it is so peaceful. I'm actually going home on Thursday just to get back in that like countryside, fresh air, yeah, letting myself unwind. I think that's so vital for me now that I live in the city. I miss it so much. Mm-hmm. So it was it was interesting. I definitely not very common in my area. I yeah. look, I'm from a very like hunting intensive kind of small southern community. So being like vegan 20 years ago was something super out of the ordinary, very like unorthodox childhood in that sense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that was a little bit 
difficult just because there wasn't a whole lot of families that related to us. And so Mm -hmm. we were, my parents are also very introverted. So in a way it was really like, you know, the eight of us and we were the the only, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) There was also a really heavy evangelical community in that town. And so for a while we were sort of part of it, part of that as well. So Huge difference to what Huge I do now. Huge difference. Wow. That's probably why your hair is so long and luscious because <laughs> you were vegan for your entire life. My whole much. childhood. That's it wild. It always used to be funny because I'm tall for a girl. I'm 5'9". Mm-hmm. And all, I'm actually the shortest in my family. My sisters are like six feet. My brothers are all 6'2", six, 6'3", six, six, And my mom used to get so much shit growing up being like, you're raising your children vegan. They're not going to get any nutrients. Like mm-hmm. you're underfeeding them and stuff. And she would always just point to us and be like, do they look underfed to you? Oh my God. Are your so parents all giants? Tall? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Six, two and five, 10. So just Damn. a tall bunch. And so yeah. yeah, she'd always be like, look at them. They look so healthy. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're fine. They're so Thanks. big. Like, yeah. Thank you for your input. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I, yeah, I, I grew up on Wendy's and McDonald's and Chick-fil-A was like, my mom continues to think Chick-fil-A is genuinely healthy the like healthy if, I, fast if I go food? home I'm like mom like we just have to have some vegetables or something she's like it's fried in peanut oil Peyton. that's what uh, peanut yeah. oil I'm like it's fried I period. tried <laughs> to use the peanut oil argument to get yes. my mom to let me get it before <laughs> you're like I see where she's going there yeah looking so, back though I'm like so happy that it was the way it was yeah no I'm very jealous that sounds idyllic I guess also because like the time we live in now people like kind of want to move towards that kind of lifestyle like we have some kind of nostalgia for Mm -hmm. even those of us who didn't grow up like that I mean Joe every day is like can we just move to a farm and get goats and chickens and all these things and I I did grow up going to the country a lot and I'm like he's from Oakland California I'm like you've you've never tended to animals before Um, you have no idea it's (laughs) it's not easy (laughs) you don't just move to a farm get goats and chickens and like your life is idyllic okay so you left all of that of course to move to DC correct as you moved here first well so I went to college first which was in Fredericksburg Virginia which is a pretty small county but for me it was like a whole new world yeah my parents were they're both scientists as well so super heavy into education that's another reason we were homeschooled so I graduated college when I was 20. And I think from, that's why I think I forget about your college experience because you graduated so early. I did. I yeah. really did. And people ask me, like, how did you do that? And I don't have an answer. I just took a ton of credits. I like non-stop. smarter than I look, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> might sound dumb on TikTok, but I swear to God. Yeah. No, but yeah. So I graduated when I was 20 and then mm. I stayed in Fredericksburg for a year and then COVID hit. Okay. And then at that point, my boyfriend was getting drafted by Old Glory, DC's rugby team. And then I still work for the government. So it just made sense to move up to this area together. And I've been here ever since. So you got the job with the government out of college. Yeah. Yeah. So I was so excited to get that job offer because I got it, I think, two days before I graduated. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was you know, freaking out. Like, I'm graduating. I have nothing lined up. I've applied to a hundred jobs. I've done two interviews, gotten ghosted by at least 95 of them. (laughs) And then I got that offer before I graduated. So that was really exciting. Um, And, but then it, I had to get a secret clearance. Mm -hmm. So I had to apply for that. And the process took eight months. So I didn't. I heard about that recently. My friend is doing that right now. She like lobbies, her company lobbies for people to go to space. 
And then mm. she's trying to do this other cool job, which I'm like, it's going over my head. Like I'm, I'm an influencer. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I lived in LA for six years. I get like at uh, entertainment sector things, right. but DC, there's just so many interesting jobs. Anyway, she was explaining the whole clearance and she's like getting tested for all these things. Yeah. And she's like, it's a whole, it's a bitch of a process, but it's super intensive. And the thing that was the hardest part of the application process for me was that they ask so many questions about your family. So they asked me, like, what's every address you've lived at for the last seven years? Mm -hmm. And then I also had to answer that question on behalf of my siblings. But at that time, I had a brother who was on deployment in Mm. Iran who couldn't tell us where he was. So I had no idea. I was like, you guys would know better than me where he is. And then I had another brother who was in the Peace Corps in Zambia at that time. Mm -hmm. And so... I had no, like, you didn't have an address. Yeah, yeah. And so that made the process take a lot longer because they were tracking down those two people. They were thorough. Oh, they're so well, thorough. Well, you do want them to be thorough. That yeah. That does make sense. <laughs> yeah. And my clearance level was secret, which is not the highest, but it's also not the lowest. It's pretty, like, mid-level. I had to stop smoking weed in college. I was, like, so glad I, that I had the I foresight yeah. to do that because I wasn't thinking about it. I never, I didn't want to be a government employee. You know, I wasn't preparing for that. So mm-hmm. I didn't stop smoking until maybe three months before graduating. And I was just so relieved that that was enough. Yeah. But I've the, heard a lot about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is that gets everyone is weed's been legal in DC for how many years? Like mm-hmm. five, six years, but not at the federal level. So if you have a federal position, mm-hmm. it's still restricted. It. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. Well, a lot of interesting jobs around here. Also, your family. Can we talk about how everyone's doing something cool? Everyone's doing something so different. And I think that's a reason why my family's been really supportive of this venture for me. Mm-hmm. It's super different, but everyone's doing something crazy. Yeah. And kind of strange and off. I feel like that's yeah. getting more normalized just in our society as well. People right. are kind of taking their lives in their own hands and not really following mm-hmm. down a certain path like they might have done even 10, 15 years ago. So you're working for the government. You were writing, correct? Mm-hmm. I was my I think my official title was technical editor, okay. but I did sort of everything. And I worked for the Navy and I did that for almost two years. At first I was commuting. I was working on base in this like secure facility mm-hmm. and then COVID started and I worked completely remotely. But yeah, I was writing and editing pretty much anything they needed. It would vary so much. I would work on congressional reports. I would work on budgets. Mm-hmm. weaponry test plans. So I would, that's why you yeah. needed clearance. Yeah. Okay. Because you'd know a lot of information. Yeah. I mean, have I retained any of that information? <laughs> Absolutely not. Also, You're like, do I actually really care? No. 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 <laughs> I would go on autopilot and my boss was like, you're not going to understand the super technical engineering that's going on in these test plans. You just have to know, like, is it written correctly? Yeah. So I would just total autopilot, could not tell you a damn thing. That all. is so interesting, too, because I would have never even dreamt up in my head that that was a position. Yeah. You know? I never even thought about that before. Yeah. So how it would work is if I was working on things like that, engineers would write testing plans or sort of experiment reports, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then they'd have to send it through this team of writers and editors to make sure it's comprehensible, mm-hmm. which they didn't love doing. Yeah, I'm they sure. They really, mm-hmm. you know, sure. yeah, like the 55-year-old engineers who've been working for the military for 30 years did not love sending their material to a 20 year old. Yeah. And you're like English major. The rules. Yeah. <laughs> who got to have almost final say. Yeah. yeah. No, they didn't love that. I had a friend of one of my best friends from college. She's a petroleum engineer and she works in discovery for a 
a pretty good company in Texas. That's what everyone does in Texas. With Petroleum, a lot of oil, oil, a lot of oil yeah. going on. And when she was in college, she did a lot of internships where she'd be on like oil rigs. And for one of them, she was in L.A., like the L.A. area. And I visited her for like two weeks because I really wanted to visit. And I would drop her off. And she's got like this huge blonde curly hair. And she's gorgeous. And there's a bunch of like roughnecks that work on these Mm -hmm. these, uh, rigs that have been working in this industry forever. She would just go out there and boss all these these guys around. She's like in college. She's like, they don't want to listen to me, but I'm smarter than them. So I love to. (laughs) It was it was amazing to watch. I love this for us. We're really coming in action. I love that, though. (laughs) We're coming up. So you started social media at this point when you're working for the government still. Mm -hmm. And it was during lockdown, right? Yeah. And honestly, I think everyone was making TikToks for fun in 2020. (laughs) That's what I was doing. I was just bored. I was Mm -hmm. honestly so bored. Yeah. Fredericksburg wasn't a very big community, but there still wasn't anything. Like I would go for my daily walk, you know, I would Mm -hmm. sometimes if there was a coffee shop open, get a coffee to go. And then that's it. Yeah, that was absolutely it. So I was just making TikToks for fun. I feel like 2020 was such a huge, there were so many trends. There were so many like inside jokes on TikTok because Mm -hmm. before that TikTok wasn't even that well known of a platform. It was like the dancing app for kids. Everyone associated it with Musical.ly. Mm -hmm. So did I. I mean, I don't think I downloaded TikTok until right before quarantine because I was like, really TikTok? I was just making TikToks for fun to pass the time. I was shopping too much and doing little hauls yeah, and doing little trends. And I think, I mean, I never, ever, 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 ever in my life thought that I would be doing TikTok as any, like, yeah, not at all. Going from like a secure government facility with like no windows and reading plants (laughs) like that. And then like TikToks. Posting my little outfits on TikTok. Right. And I never intended to have it be a stream of income or have it be a job opportunity at all. And at that point, I don't think TikTok had a lot of lifestyle creators. I think mm-hmm. everyone really popular on TikTok at that time was like dancing, dancing teenagers, yeah, basically. Yeah. So I was, you know, maybe three years too old to have do to the have, dancing teenager. Yeah, thing. to be the dancing teenager. <laughs> so after a little while, I started, I don't know why anybody started following me at all. Because I think when I made my first video, I had like three followers and they were friends I knew in real life. So I really couldn't tell you why anybody started to follow me at all. Mm -hmm. But as I was doing my little, you know, videos for fun, somehow I got to maybe 10,000 followers. I think people were so desperate for entertainment that Mm -hmm. the bar was pretty low, (laughs) to be honest. No, I will say you're a good storyteller, but I told you that whenever we were talking like at happy hour, I was like, you just... But you talk like a writer, like, you Mm -hmm. know how to just like, it's essentially a narrative, even if you're putting together an outfit or doing a haul, like the way you present it. Storytelling. It it has like a beginning, middle and end. And I think people like that. It doesn't seem super chaotic. Also, if you're saying like there weren't a lot of people doing that on the app, I feel like you just kind of filled a need that people Mm -hmm. had. Would you say that that's the first content that went viral for you or what was your first viral moment? I think at that time I defined a viral video differently. I remember when my That's true. Yeah, yeah. when my first video hit maybe 30,000 views, I was like this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this I is am everything. <laughs> yeah. That video ironically was me doing a dance. That was a dancing okay, video. Okay. <laughs> and then I think around that point I had maybe 10,000 followers in September of 2020. 
And then I started making more videos related to my mental health and body confidence and things like that. Mm -hmm. I've had eating disorders off and on since I was 12. And so Mm -hmm. that's just on the forefront of my mind all the time anyway. So I started talking about those experiences because that's the only thing I was thinking about. My first viral video, well, the the video that took me from maybe 10,000 followers to like 50,000 followers was in October of 2020. And it was me talking about my mental health. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about the fact that at that point, I think it had been one year since I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, Mm -hmm. which is not something that a lot of people will openly say online. But I just don't shut up. So I was talking about it. I freaking feel that same. (laughs) I just can't keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And then I made a video that went truly viral, like 10 million views towards the end of November 2020. And that was a audio. Some of you may have heard it. That was like bodies that look like this also look like this. Mm. And in that video, I was just showing the difference between like how differently you can make your body appear if you're posing versus you're just sitting in a relaxed state. Yeah. That video got maybe 10 million views, which shocked me because that was unheard of for me. And then I think I went from about 50,000 followers to 120,000 followers almost overnight, which was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is wild. Also, I was so I was talking to my Alto driver on the way over here. Alto is a sponsor of this podcast. I also use Alto literally all oh the time. Oh my God, I took my Alto here. Really? And I loved it. Yeah. Big wow, Alto fan. Oh, plugs. <laughs> so anyways, I was talking to him and he was like, well, what do you do? Like explain to me what your subject matter is. And I was right. like, well, I started posting about outfits mm-hmm. and like little things like that. And now I just recorded a video or a podcast episode about getting back on antidepressants and all my life trauma just now. And now I'm going to go talk to my friend. (laughs) I discovered her on TikTok. And I was just trying to say, like, basically, we I think what draws people to that kind of content is us kind of just like ripping ourselves open to talk about what harms us and what hurts us and other people relating to that. And maybe they're not wanting to post about it openly, but you kind of have to be like a little bit brave and do it. And then you aggregate these people who are behind you now Mm because they relate to you. And maybe they didn't want to be the one on social media saying it themselves, (laughs) opening up and, you know, telling the world like, hey, this is who I am. But it is very freeing, I think, to post about those things and to talk about these things. That's my favorite type of content to consume. I think the first video I saw of yours was you talking about uh, bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. And I I liked it. And I think I followed you after that video. And I can't remember exactly, but I think that's it, because I remember thinking I've heard people talk about depression and anxiety to some extent, not like serious, serious, but I think it's more normalized to talk about that now. But I had never heard of anyone detail their experience with that openly and confidently and just like this is what's going on. And I think I I mean, that's just really respectable, I think. And it's very interesting. So I could see why that kind of content go. Right. I appreciate that. (laughs) You're welcome. It's it's I mean. It's true. I also was telling the guy that drove me over here, he talked my ear off forever. So he like (laughs) finally asked me a couple questions. My friend Ella, who I've had on this podcast too, she does a lot about body positivity and she was in Sports Illustrated. She is like a size something that, you know, you won't see normal models that size. And she's incredibly healthy. She works out. She's athletic. She eats really healthy. She lives her life too, but she lives a healthy lifestyle. And I kind of always cite her too, where I'm like, 
she, her whole slogan is wear the damn bikini and her whole Instagram and TikTok are her in her bikini. And she's like, it sucks sometimes because her comment section is an absolute madhouse and it can be pretty discouraging, but she also helps so many women Mm -hmm. that, that, I mean, it just helps more than it hurts her, but some people just have to be the one to be like, all right, I'm like you and I'll stand on this little you know, right. pedestal and be ripped apart every single day so that you feel better. And that's my favorite kind of content to make. And it's my favorite content to actually like view and, you know, take in as well. Consume. That's the word I'm looking for. Mental health videos and the, the more vulnerable topics, I would say, probably mm-hmm. is what set you apart is what I'm gathering in terms of like yeah. going viral. I think people are people are really concerned with finding their niche online. Mm-hmm. But when people ask me, oh, what's my niche? I think it, it's tempting to want to categorize it into I'm a mental health creator. Mm-hmm. I'm a fashion creator. But I think of it as like I am the niche. Mm-hmm. My content is whatever I feel like making that day. It's whatever's going through my head at that moment. Mm-hmm. I am the niche. Yeah. And so that's allowed me to have a lot of freedom with the things I want to talk about. But it has also, I think, given me an excuse to get into the nitty gritty details of my everyday life because mm-hmm. bipolar disorder, I mean, as with all mental health conditions is something that you have your good days, you have your bad days, but you're always living that experience. It's always there. Right. Yeah. You could be having a good day, but that doesn't mean you're not in the back of your head. You're like, is tomorrow a bad day? Who knows? Yeah, It's looming. It's, it's always, always looming. looming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And after a while, I really started moving away from body positivity content. I think... I'm trying to like go back in the timeline. So from about 120,000 followers to maybe 400,000 followers, which was a process that took maybe four months. Mm -hmm. So now we're in March of 2021. I stopped making body positivity content basically because one, those videos were getting pushed to audiences that did not want, like I didn't want them to go to men. I'm talking about men. Mm -hmm. And then, (laughs) and then the other reason was because I just received backlash that I think was deserved just saying like, you don't really know what you're talking about. Like you can talk about your experience with eating disorders and that's fine, Mm -hmm. but you should not be like a a figurehead of this. Yeah. You don't look like you you should, you know, for people should in quotes look like to be a master of this subject is what they're saying. Yeah. And my, I know that that content was really helpful for a lot of people because I, still receive so many messages and comments saying that my acceptance of myself helps Mm -hmm. other people, which is great. I also received a ton of messages and comments saying, I can see that there's good intentions, but you have too much proximity to the beauty standard to be having these conversations. Yeah. So after a while I was like, okay, fair enough. And then I sort of put that aspect to bed, Mm -hmm. that aspect of my content to bed. Obviously it's still something I think about every single day. Yeah but it's not the focus of my content anymore. And then I sort of really moved into more mental health specifically related content. Yeah. I love your content. I think you do a lot of different things, including the mental health part. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a good add in to add some depth, obviously to your personality, but I also think it's good to add in like the lighthearted stuff. And you have a lot of that as well. I do like to find a balance because I would not, I actually was talking about this the other day on one of my accounts, because if I were to post moments, like just my low moments, and if I were to go really into detail, like here's the horrible depressive episode I had the other mm-hmm. day, that wouldn't be healthy for me yeah. to be dwelling in those experiences and to be 
filming and editing and dwelling on my hard times. So I try to show the low moments, but I also really try to find the chilled, peaceful, calm. I will say content too. Again, it's that thing of like ripping yourself apart and Mm -hmm. people will get on to influencers all the time saying you are not showing the real stuff like this is you're only showing the highlights highlights. I got tagged in that a comment saying that about me yesterday she's like she only shows the highlights I'm like Like, okay here's the thing I wish I was savage enough to think in my head in the middle of a panic attack like let me let me grab the camera like no I'm just trying to breathe and get to the next moment I think there needs to be some leeway there I was thinking about it Mm -hmm. recently because when you're going through tough times just because our job our career right now in my career at least you do mm-hmm. this full-time now right I still edit on the side okay but for the moment this is definitely my main thing my main yeah. thing so your full job is to be recording things for people whether at audio TikTok you know YouTube mm-hmm. whatever but that doesn't mean I need to like make myself highly uncomfortable on top of how uncomfortable my life already is a lot of the time <laughs> like I don't need to be remembering if I'm in a fight with Joe Mm-hmm. Hey, let's let's record this. Like yeah. people will say that about relationships. You only show the highlights. I'm like, I'm not because I respect yeah, the what? privacy of my relationship. What are you right? talking about? Like, and also I it's if it's a hard time for me, it's not I don't owe people a yeah. video of that hard time. Imagine I, you have a fight with your boyfriend and you start recording. Here's 10 ways to get through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I'm going to put them in action right now. Yeah. Like it just wouldn't work. I think people need to give influencers some leeway on that because mm-hmm. it can be the worst to be judged for when especially when you are a person who opens yourself up again so much and people are like well you're only showing the highlights you're like well yeah you try to do this okay (laughs) I definitely used to be a bit more open on my main account than I am now Mm -hmm. because and this was just me not understanding what growing on social media would do to my mental health yeah So at the beginning, I was so open. There's like nothing I wouldn't say online because at the time my community was a lot smaller and it was full of people who had, yeah, who got it. Yeah. And then you get more followers and you have people who follow you off of that one viral video that was an accident that isn't related to the rest of your content and they don't get it. Mm -hmm. And then you say those open things and they're like. And they start sticking knives in you. (laughs) Right. So I have definitely become a little bit more guarded over time. Mm-hmm. But I still try to find that balance. So what was your initial thoughts after videos started going really viral like that? I would be lying if I said my initial thoughts were anything but excitement. Yeah. At the time, I had no idea what this would become for me. I had never intended to become an influencer or to gain any sort of internet traction. And I also grew up in, I think, the golden age of YouTube. And mm-hmm. I think about this all the time. When I was like a young teenager, everybody wanted to be a YouTuber. Yeah. And it was Michelle Fawn and it was Bethany Moda and it was all the British YouTubers like Zoella and mm-hmm. people like that. And that was the biggest social media platform for consuming content, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. People, like when I was a teenager, we weren't really using Instagram to follow influencers at yeah. that point. But we were on YouTube. And so when I started to gain a little bit of success on TikTok, that's what I was thinking about. I was so excited. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I used to love watching people and now people are watching me. And so, yeah, at first it was nothing but excitement. Mm -hmm. Because you probably didn't know what to expect on the darker side of things. I had no idea. And I don't think anybody did because at that time, TikTok was still so new. People Mm -hmm. weren't. There weren't lifestyle creators. There weren't 
influencers there were 15 year olds doing viral dances and that's it yeah and other 15 year olds commenting right on their on their content hopefully a little bit well at that know. time I felt like one of the oldest people on TikTok which is crazy mm-hmm. now to say but yeah because everyone's on TikTok I follow yeah. the the craziest range of people on TikTok like I have got like Neil deGrasse Tyson on one side I've got so many like relationship experts mm-hmm. people who do dances people yeah. with interesting lives aesthetic girls I mean there's just right. so much going on there some middle-aged guy who's teaching me how to do like uh, I don't know hand-to-hand combat also follow <laughs> one of them I mean I, I don't know what's going on so let's talk more about kind of when you started realizing the more insidious side mm-hmm. to uh creating viral content and I feel like I'm gonna guess a lot of the let's say negativity you'll you receive uh, are on videos where you're being the most vulnerable that's a hundred percent true. That's hard. <laughs> That's hard to deal with. I've spent so much time over the last year and a half, two years thinking about what drives people to say negative things on the internet. And I think when it comes to a vulnerable video where I'm talking about my mental health, especially, I think people can't help but compare their own journeys to mine. And it's mm-hmm. something I try to protect against by reminding my audience that I'm speaking only out of my own experiences. I can't, I can't give you medical advice. I can't give you psychiatric advice. Mm-hmm. I can only talk about what I go through. But I think a lot of people can't help but compare. Yeah. And that's where feelings of perhaps bitterness, perhaps resentment, perhaps just misunderstanding what I'm saying, things like that mm-hmm. come in. So I started realizing the dark side of TikTok, I think, last summer. Last summer, I was gaining about 100 to 150,000 followers every single month. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty rapid growth for someone for someone of my size at that time. I, w- I mean, I would still say that's rapid growth. Yeah, that's incredibly rapid. TikTok is interesting because, I mean, I feel like a million followers on TikTok is like 100,000 followers on YouTube. Mm-hmm. The, the metrics mean something differently. Like the, the follower count yeah. is different. Mm-hmm. It's not a one-to-one ratio, I it's don't think. It's the same with Instagram. Yeah. It's, they're, all, they're all very different because it's their level of interest in your content. Yeah. TikTok, it's so easy to follow so many people and I follow yeah. a bunch of people and I don't remember to go back and unfollow or if I see someone's video, I didn't like it. I just swipe. Like I don't like go yeah. to her page and unfollow or whatever. YouTube, you're so much more involved in someone's life that you follow. So I can see, yeah, I see what you mean by that. And you have to seek out creators on YouTube and Instagram more. Whereas TikTok, mm-hmm. you can get on anyone's for you page. Yeah, Anyone can see your content and it's easier to amass followers, I think. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I was gaining followers really quickly. And a hard lesson I learned is that you can share these 30 second to three minute clips of your life and you can know that there's more to you than that. Yeah. But a large portion of people on the internet don't see you as a multifaceted human being that exists outside of their for you page. And so they think they know every single thing about you. So if you say something or do something that doesn't fit into this preconceived notion they have of who you are, Mm -hmm. then they get mad at you which is bizarre to me because I've never felt that way about anyone. Me neither. And I especially don't feel that way about people now. (laughs) But I think people are starting to realize that that's the wrong approach, Mm -hmm. but it still exists. It's still really prevalent. Yeah. I Um, mean, I think it'll always be there. And what we talked about too when we got drinks is I have a very 
specific audience. I'm very Mm -hmm. lucky to have an audience that understands. I do get some hate, but honestly, a lot of the hate I get is very obviously from people in my hometown (laughs) who reference things (laughs) from my hometown. I'm like, you guys need to like figure it out. If you want me to feel actually hated, I do get some hate, but honestly, a lot of the hate I get is very obviously from people in my hometown (laughs) who reference things (laughs) from my hometown. I'm like, you guys need to like figure it out. If you want me to feel actually hated, I've always dealt with that kind of stuff as everyone does. When you post anything on the internet, you open Mm -hmm. yourself to the possibility of being metaphorically stabbed with some kind of comment. But for me, my growth was so slow, let's say on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, where not only was I able to amass a very specific audience who gets it, like they really Mm -hmm. I do feel lucky to have people who get it, but I got used to the level of hate. But TikTok, it's just quick little snippets of hate hatefulness. And there's more burner accounts on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Lots of burner Instagram. accounts. So many burner accounts. Because you can block, now that Instagram has a thing where you can block That's my favorite feature and, yeah. in every new account they yeah. create. So Amazing. genius. Yeah. <laughs> Very genius. So yeah, TikTok is, it can be ruthless. I will say, especially when you put yourself out there, people are going to take advantage of that. And I feel like it's going to, it does harden you over time, but I think when it starts, you're just like, you kind of feel the need to explain yourself to people who don't understand. And mm-hmm. what I realized is that people oftentimes are literally committed to under- misunderstanding you. Yeah, exactly. So like they, no matter how much you say, hey, actually, people actually, were getting no. mad at, at me about being tone deaf with the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And I'm like, first of all, I'm a woman. I did a whole podcast episode on it right. first. I'm a woman. I said in that podcast episode, I've had an abortion myself. I want to get pregnant in the next couple of years. So like this literally affects me directly. And I've talked about it at length, but everything I was posting wasn't about Roe v. Wade. It was maybe I did an outfit video here. Mm. I did a vlog here. I still have to work. But you also did post about Roe v. Wade. Like I have posted posted a lot of stories about Roe v. Wade. I've posted about this at length for months before the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And not just cute little infographics. You were posting actual. No, actionable Because that was your major, right? Yeah, well, poli sci was my major. I'm also a raging feminist. Like, right. I've posted resources about this forever. And I don't need to, like, say that. But I remember I commented back to someone and I was like, I was literally, I mean, I did a outfit video, but I was literally just at the Supreme Court, like at the yeah. literal Supreme Court and taking photos of the signs and things like that and sharing that experience with people who follow me. And I was genuinely physically like ailed, like sad about mm-hmm. the whole entire thing. So no one sees that back end. And I commented that in a moment of weakness, I commented back and she goes, do you want a fucking cookie? <laughs> I'm like, what is your point here? Like, right. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do? I just try to say like, Hey, I do care. I was, she accused you of something. You were like, actually, no. Yeah. And then she's do like, you yeah, want a fucking cookie? yeah. Do you want a cookie? I'm like, Okay, I don't need to That's live misplaced and anger. It is, and get it's, mad at the people in charge. <laughs> exactly. Let's let's, and also not a. Again, it's affecting me like so much to the point right. where like something could affect you directly. Like the government could be like, "Hey, everyone named Peyton is going to get shot today." Like, sorry about it. And then you post something, and everyone's like, "You don't care about the problem," and you're like, right. "My name is literally Peyton. <laughs> literally <laughs> happening to me." But they're literally committed to misunderstanding, and no amount yeah. of explaining yourself is going to change their mind. And that's something yeah. that I've really had to digest over the last few years because your your first inclination, especially when something is so wrong, like so misguided. Yeah, is obviously to defend yourself yeah, you're and like, to set the record straight. What the fuck? Especially when your your content kind of like is about that specific topic that mm-hmm. they're, you know, about the feminism thing, for example. 
something that you base your like personality on or who you right. your character on. It's hard not to snap back or say, hey, just yeah. some clarity here. Here's all the examples of why that's not true. But they still won't believe you. I'm very slowly learning that lesson. It's really and it's hard. it's been a, a difficult one, especially mm-hmm. this year, because this is, again, like I said, I do still edit on the side to keep my skills up. But this is my main thing right now. Yeah. And so I'm having to learn all of these lessons. It feels like very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that that's a hard one. On, on the Roe v. Wade topic, that news broke while I was on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think the news broke maybe 8.30 a.m. on the East Coast or something. So I wasn't even up yet. So when I got up, the first things I was seeing was not the actual headlines. It was the angry DMs of people being like, why haven't you talked about this yet? Something similar happened to me. I'm three hours behind. I literally just woke up. Yeah, something similar happened to me when the crazy psychos stormed the Capitol. Mm. I don't have uh, Twitter and I don't have cable. And I was out one day. I had to get a a post in like at 5 p.m. L.A. time. And so I was literally out in my car in my tri- with my tripod in my car with me in the car seat taking photos on the streets of L.A. like in the back mm-hmm. of my car. Once I got the photo, I immediately edited it and sent it in to my person and they approved it immediately via text and I posted it. And someone was like, how are you going to post this in the middle of what's happening right now? And I was like, I don't know. What's I have going no on. idea what's going on. Like I, I literally rushed yeah. so fast and I had been kind of offline for I would say like two hours like getting mm-hmm. ready running and that's like, all the time it takes yeah for- and finding the light like I literally was driving to lighter <laughs> streets because the sun's going down and I'm like rushing around I'm like thank god I'm like like my heart's you know right stop beating so fast meanwhile in the background on yeah. the east coast meanwhile the freaking capital is being taken over by crazy people and I posted this bit this photo and people were getting on to me and I, I commented back to someone and I was like, I thought they were talking about the general unrest of the country because there was a lot of unrest around, right. you know, before this. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I I think it's horrible. Obviously, I think that, you know, I, right. I'm i very, you know, vocal about my my opinions a lot of the time, but I still have to work. Like I still have to get, right. the, you know, literally not knowing what's going not on, not knowing, not knowing that we're like a terrorist attack is happening. <laughs> And they, I got home and I was shook because I, I talked to my roommate and she was like, oh my God, did you see what hap- is happening? I'm like, no, what, what is You're happening? You're like, oh my God, maybe that was doing Yeah, like what the hell? Because immediately after I go into our parking garage, like we have, you know, service from your yeah. parking garage to your, like I'm just in a blackout, right? And people are like, you're so privileged to be able to not have to check the news and all the stuff. I'm like, y'all, it was a couple hours. I really right. checked. I, I know generally what's that going on. such a common thing as well. And that goes along with people on the internet assuming there is ill intent every time, all the time. you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. I remember earlier this year, I was in Vegas and I was drinking 818 tequila mm-hmm. and I had my comments get flooded with all of the controversy surrounding 818 and celebrity tequila brands in general. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've literally never heard about this. And people people were saying, how could you not know? It's all over TikTok. And I'm just like, your For You page is different than mine. Yeah, I don't see this information. <laughs> I also don't seek out things like this. Yeah. If I see, if like... I pass a headline that's like Kendall Jenner controversy. Mm. I'm probably not going to click because I don't care. I don't want to know what's going on. <laughs> I don't seek that kind of thing out. So, yeah, it was just people assuming that I knew and did it anyway mm-hmm. instead of thinking maybe she didn't know. Yeah. And that happens with everything. All the time. All the time. I will say I was so embarrassed when that whole thing happened with the Capitol storming. I got back up to that room and I, or my room and I, my roommate was like, did you see? And I finally like signed into a different like her right. Twitter. I'm looking at it because that's how we got our news. And I was so embarrassed. I went back and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I just 
I, right. I didn't know what you were talking about. And they ate me alive. Because how dare you not know? How well, dare you like, not be glued to the news cycle yes, 24 hours? I'm like, because listen, I would be if I didn't have to get my fucking work done. Like, right. I had to turn, I had to like essentially turn everything else away because that had to be done. It was very important for me paying my rent mm-hmm. to get that done. Anyways, it was just a whole thing. And I was like, I genuinely, I was embarrassed and I was sorry. Yeah. And I got eaten alive. You aren't, oh, you're just saying this now because you're, you are like, you got called you out. You got caught. Yeah. I'm like, I literally didn't. Like, it's just not the fact, well, you know, whatever. So I've, I, from that point on, I've learned just don't even waste yeah. your time. And Check now, the headlines before you post because yeah. something can <laughs> no happen at everything. any moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, everything that's happening in the world. I will say now I have a very strict, I delete your comment if, I, if you're stressing me out. Like I realize like this is my home, my Instagram page, my TikTok page. I will allow discourse. Absolutely. But if something and if someone needs to put me in my place, I'm doing something wrong. I think that needs to be seen, honestly. Yeah. But if it's just not true, right. and if it's absolutely ridiculous, you're getting deleted and you're getting blocked. I don't feel sorry. I don't feel bad. I feel like this is my home. I'm protecting my space and the people who follow me. Yeah. Because I won't be having trolls getting in fights with the people who follow me, which sometimes happens as well. That's another hard lesson I'm learning this year because I think last year I never wanted to block people. I remember Victoria Paris got so much shit last year for blocking people all the time. Mm -hmm. And people criticized her so much being like, she's petty. She can't take criticism, things like that, because she blocked people so often. And I think that scared me off from blocking people who deserve to be blocked. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be. Yeah. I didn't want to be seen as, oh, she just can't handle all of this criticism. Right. So I didn't block for a really long time Mm -hmm. until well after I hit a million followers, probably like 1.2 million. cannot even imagine. (laughs) So now I block, like it's one strike and you're out. Oh, you're annoying me. Sometimes, sometimes I'm having a bad day. Okay. You're blocked. (laughs) Sometimes I will, if someone's not being horrible, they're just being annoying. Mm -hmm. I'll remove them as a follower. Oh, gotcha. Because I'm like, you, you, you didn't say anything bad enough to get blocked, but mm-hmm. I just don't want our worlds to collide on TikTok anymore. Yeah. If someone's genuinely being awful, then I block. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting more comfortable with that now, which is a relief. Yeah. And I'm starting to delete more comments, but that's hard because then people criticize you for deleting comments. And it's like, I know. Well, you're going to get criticized. That's another thing. You're going to get criticized we for keep everything. keep getting criticized. So I, that's another thing I tried to do is not do things that could get criticized but then I realize you're not talking about anything anymore you're not mm-hmm. you're like an empty vessel you're too right. nervous to like speak your mind or talk oh, about I've what you want I've definitely been going through that it's really really hard especially to when you're in your 20s early 20s and you're like kind of through TikTok or through for me through the blog and through YouTube and things like that mm-hmm. it helped me find who I am and I needed that freedom to talk about things openly right. sometimes and make mistakes and get called out for it. That's totally fine. But hate and like people going for your vulnerabilities because you're openly yeah. sharing them is a completely different experience. And I totally I see now how it kind of deters people from talking about being themselves, their lives because they don't feel qualified to talk about body positive positivity, even though right. you, you do it, you go through it every single day from your own lens. Yeah. But you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to hurt people's feelings. And you, you know, genuinely don't want to do the wrong thing. Yeah. I feel like people assume influencers censor themselves so they don't get hate. But I feel like a lot of influencers you hurt people. You genuinely just want to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to do the right thing. But when 1.4 million people all have different ideas of what you should be doing and what is the right thing, I often feel like I lose my sense of what do I believe 
is yeah. what, what do I believe is okay? What do I believe is not okay? Well, you also probably feel like you're sharing that platform now with 1.4 million people rather than yeah. this is my platform. And it's yeah. hard. People feel it's entitled to a piece of it because, mm-hmm. and it is true, you know, without your followers, without your audience, you don't have a platform. Yeah. So in that sense, like I do believe my community like belongs to all of us. Mm-hmm. It's our community. But I will get lost in it if I don't set firm boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that's been yet another hard lesson because yeah. I'm about to turn 24. I graduated when I was 20. The pandemic started when I was 21. I started TikTok when I was 21. Mm-hmm. Maybe that sounds old to some people, but I felt and often still feel like a baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying. Oh, you, you are a baby. <laughs> you can be a baby. Let yourself My mom is way. like, you're still a baby. And yeah. Like, Thank you. Because I'm like trying to figure out who I am as a person. And the pandemic definitely affected that a lot. I felt sort of thrown into the adult world because I was always going to move out young. That's always my personality. I'm an independent personality type. Mm -hmm. But COVID really accelerated that, I think. It accelerated my relationship. I've been in a relationship with Matthew for two years and we're engaged. That Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have happened so soon if it hadn't been for the pandemic because we had nothing to do except to have long conversations and spend time with each other. We lived half a mile from each other. Mm -hmm. He was one of the three human beings I saw for a year. (laughs) So that sort of sped up that process, but Mm -hmm. it also accelerated my own growth as a person, I think, but maybe in a bad way. Mm-hmm. because maybe I should have had more time to figure out what I want and who I am. Yeah. I will say, and I say this literally every freaking episode because someone brings up age of some sort, <laughs> 24 for me, and I'm 28, I'm turning 29 this year. I just started feeling like yeah. a real person a little bit as I'm approaching 30 and like preparing for like the next kind of era of my life. Mm-hmm. But I feel like my difference and from when I was 23 and 24 to now is I'm a completely different person. I feel right. like it, it was 10 years in between those ages because 25 is when they say like your brain fully forms. I'm right? waiting for that moment. It's and so things just hard. Like, I remember turning 25. It was the best year of my entire life. Things just started making more sense. And I think mm-hmm. things became less of a big deal in some ways. My life got a lot more simple without, I didn't do anything. I like, I don't think there was anything external. I think I just felt like more at peace and then every year after that so far has been amazing and better than the mm-hmm. last one. My mom always told me that her, the back end of her 20s, she had two kids by the back end of her 20s too. She was like, those were still my favorite years of my entire right. life. Because I feel like you just, that's when I started so far being myself. Like I figured things out. I know what I want. Um, I always kind of knew what I didn't want, but I mm-hmm. know what I want now in a lot of ways, which made it easier for me to be in a relationship and all those things. Right. So I feel like 24 is still so young. I feel so young and I have to remind myself of that all the time because I'm one of those people who compares their timeline to other people's timelines. It's hard not to do that. So hard not to do that, especially now that Mm -hmm. my timeline is on display for everyone to see. Everyone. More than 1.4 million people. Yeah. (laughs) My mom has told me for years as I've, you know, called her a hundred times having various breakdowns. She's always been like, when you turn 27, everything's going to make sense. Yeah. And then two of my older siblings have said the same things like 27. I I'm, I'm telling you every year in your late twenties, I'm actually really excited. A lot of my friends are in their early thirties now. And I'm just like, they seem life seems easier. It's harder in a lot of ways. They have kids, Mm -hmm. you know, they're married, things like that. I've already have friends who 
you know, from Texas, people get married young, going through divorce. Yeah. But they're like, I just am me. Like, it's just so much better. But with the inclusion of social media in your early 20s and the complications that are already happening, like in your life at that point, Mm -hmm. figuring out, you know, from going from living at home in college to getting your first job, you know, paying taxes and now navigating this whole thing and doing so all of that on a platform. That's I mean, I feel like it sounds traumatizing. (laughs) (laughs) I say this all the time. Like, I do want to be clear. I am so grateful for Mm -hmm. my platform. I'm so incredibly grateful for everyone who follows me and supports me. And this has changed my life so much. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful for it. But I'm just making I you harp on definitely that definitely have trauma from this, though. Yeah. For sure. And I think when this chapter closes, when it's time to step offline, and when that day comes, I'm not going to go kicking and screaming. I'm going to be like, had a good run. Yeah. Time to do something else. Well, you did everything that you could. You learned yeah. everything that you probably are supposed to learn. Yeah. What do you think you have learned about dealing with hate? so far like what is your kind of playbook on that right now it's been a slow process I do think I'm getting better at it now which has come from periods of getting ripped apart and then periods of really positive comment sections Mm -hmm. and then periods of really negative sections some things that have helped me is I have a second account on TikTok and I recently made it private and I don't so I have to approve every person who follows and I don't approve burner accounts and if someone steps out of line one strike and you're out. Yeah, yeah. Because that second account is a place where I want to feel safe. And that's where I'm more vulnerable now. Mm-hmm. I tend to keep the lowest of my low moments off my main account mm-hmm. and speak about them more on that account because it's it has 175,000 followers, which mm-hmm. is still a ton of people. But yeah. compared to my main account, it feels like a breath of fresh air. Absolutely. Well, it's also controlled yeah. by you. That really is. It is a controlled hub. community. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that was such a good thing for me Mm -hmm. because if something is bothering me, if a DM is bothering me, if I'm struggling knowing what to film, if I am going through just a difficult time with having the platform, I feel Mm -hmm. like I can speak about those feelings on my second account and be understood by people. Yeah. And some, everyone just wants to feel understood at some level. So that's been a huge help for me. I have become a little bit more comfortable with blocking people who deserve it. Okay. Again, people who deserve it. Mm-hmm. There is always a time and a place, like like you said, if I actually did something wrong and someone corrects me, I will immediately apologize and try to fix it. Yeah. But if I've someone- I've seen you yeah. even do TikToks before where you say, hey, this was this, or, you know, like you mm-hmm. kind of clear things up and you confront it head on, which is yeah. really respectable. But if someone is just being nasty, now I'm like, okay, it's a, I'm allowed to yeah. block this person. Yeah, yeah. I also think- a big part of dealing with hate is you need to know yourself well enough to know that what they're saying just isn't true. Yeah. Because hate only hurts if it strikes a personal chord. Mm -hmm. And in order for it to not strike a chord, you just have to know that that it's not true. Yeah. So sometimes I'll show hateful comments to my friends or to my parents and I'll be like, am I actually doing this? Like, is this right? Mm -hmm. Am Am I coming across this way? And... Usually they say no, but -hmm. sometimes they're like, "Mm, maybe. Yeah. And then I reevaluate. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been a big part of it for me. And also just becoming more at ease and comfortable with my success has been helpful too. Because Mm -hmm. something that's been tough for me and something that 
garnered a lot of negativity, especially last year when I was gaining followers really quickly and I transitioned from the government into doing this, mm-hmm. is for whatever reason, a lot of people just don't like to see young women succeed. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I was sort of leveling up yeah. while on this platform brought in a lot of negativity that I still sometimes get. Mm-hmm. When, when good things happen to me and I share them online, I get more negativity afterwards. Yeah. And it like clockwork. Yeah. I just released this collaboration with Steve Madden and I released a shoe, mm-hmm. which is a huge. I love, them. I love their I shoes. Love them Thank you. <laughs> which was a huge deal for me. It's a brand I love. I've worn for years. Mm-hmm. Such a cool opportunity. By far, I think the biggest thing that I've done in my career so far. And I knew going into it, I was like, as soon as the trolls see this really cool thing happening to me, they're going to look for reasons to comment negative things. And what do you know? That's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. But now I know that. And I know this is a like whiplash reaction to just seeing a young woman having success. Well, they want to make also excuses. That's what I always have. It's like, Mm. oh, especially if I... For example, if I do something well, like I worked tirelessly for six years, 18 hours a day, my dad was like, do you sleep or do anything else? I'm like, no, I've bought myself a couple nice things and I save up. I'm very specific about those purchases. And of course, whenever I do it and I'm really proud of those things, I Mm -hmm. bought the squash for myself. I bought myself a nice bag. And when I look at them, I think I I deserve that. that. I worked it and I didn't spend all my money on it. I I was comfortably able to spend it means something to me to do that. and. The number of men, mostly, I will say, mm-hmm. always the men, that are always like, uh, one, they think, you know, daddy bought Daddy's it. Daddy's money. Grandpa's money. Joe bought it. I'm like, first of all, Joe doesn't buy me the nice things like right. that. I wish. I wish Joe bought that for me. Thank you. But there's any excuse. It's that. It's, oh, it's because, you know, you got lucky or mm-hmm. maybe you went viral because you got lucky. Oh, maybe you went viral because you did your makeup and you're fake. Or, hey, you went viral because you got Botox and you're fake or something. You know what I mean? Like you Mm -hmm. are you're getting success from something other than the fact that you're just good at your job and you work really hard. Mm -hmm. And I do notice that a lot. So it's interesting that you bring that up and notice it, too. And there are a lot of privileges with being, you know, a middle class white girl on this platform, because obviously, you know, the TikTok algorithm does prioritize white creators. And Mm -hmm. we know that. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, that can be 100 percent true. And it can also be 100% true that I have worked hard. Yeah. I think those two things can exist at once. And I'm trying to get to this place where I can acknowledge my privilege, which I do, Mm -hmm. while also acknowledging my work. Yeah. And that's a hard balance for me to find. It's really hard because if you don't do it right every single time, there's going to be hate on the one Mm -hmm. video you didn't do it correctly on. You're like, damn it, I couldn't. There's no way I could qualify that many things in this 30 second long video. Sometimes I feel like. People on TikTok genuinely expect you to make a 30-second disclaimer before every video you post. They, do. they really do. I wish I could yeah. put it in, in like the bio or maybe just like pin a video at the very yeah. the very first video. I'm trying to, to work on that. Uh, Another reason why I think that affects me a lot more is because this time last year, I was making 38000 a year working for the government, mm-hmm. living in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., Mm-hmm. One of the most expensive cities in the country. Yeah. Making $38,000 a year, which is not even a teacher salary in yeah. some places. So it's nothing. I know. And listen, for a college student who was absolutely broke, making $7 an hour, that was insane. Mm-hmm. I was so grateful and I'm still so grateful for that job because it mm-hmm. was what I needed at the time. But that's also nothing. Yeah. It's not, not when you're living in this area. But that is the Mary 
that at least 600, 700,000 people followed. Mm -hmm. So when I started making more money, when I left Mm -hmm. the government, they saw that unfold before their eyes. And I think in a lot of people's eyes, they could not relate anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, you're a sellout. You only care about money anymore. Like, I don't only care about money. Am I happy to be making more than $38,000? Yeah. Yes. Listen, I care about money a lot. I, I, <laughs> I don't hide it at all. And I care about it for freedom and security. And yeah. I'm willing to, to exchange a lot of my time and yeah. effort and be really stressed out in order to get it. So, And it's, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why it's misogyny, mm-hmm. but it's so controversial and taboo for women, especially young women to make money, manage money, mm-hmm. be proud of their money. Yeah. And I feel like I'm still seeing evidence of that almost mm-hmm. every day on TikTok. Well, one thing I really liked about Joe since I've, you know, when I met him is that his mom has always worked. She's a year, mm-hmm. like a trauma nurse, basically. And his dad works. So they still both work to this day. And Joe, at the same time that he was one of his favorite, his favorite thing about me is that I'm very ambitious and he Mm -hmm. likes that I love to have my own Mm -hmm. of everything. I'm very independent. He also though, didn't want any part of it. So he was, he was like, Oh, she makes her own money. And he had no interest in me spending it on him. He just Mm -hmm. thought that that was attractive that I made my own money and I didn't necessarily need him for a lot of things. And he's one of the first guys I've ever met who didn't fall into one of the two camps of, I want to be the breadwinner. So you can't make a lot of money or I want you to make a lot of money and so I can have a sugar mama basically. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool that he thinks it's cool. Yet doesn't ask, doesn't like kind of fetishize the fact that I make money in in order to benefit him kind of. That's so interesting that you say that. That's another similarity between our boyfriends. Yeah. Because Matthew came from a very different family background than I did. Mm -hmm. And his mother was also for a large portion of his childhood, the primary breadwinner. Yeah. So he was very, used to a strong, hardworking, independent like, woman. woman. Yeah. But that reminds me of a story on our first date, actually. He, like in college, Matt was very, like he would buy the rounds at bars. He would call the Ubers. Like he was very generous and yeah. very, like had no problem spending money on other people. And I definitely saw other people use him for that sometimes in our going out scene, like our social mm-hmm. scene. And I actually paid for our first date mm-hmm. because I remember thinking, I just want it to be clear straight off the bat yeah. that we both wear the pants in this dynamic yeah, yeah, and that I don't need you for anything. I'm not dating you for anything. I don't want anything from you. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember <laughs> he went to the bathroom on our first date and I flagged the waitress down and I paid the bill mm-hmm. and the look on his face was so unsettled. And so like, I can't <laughs> believe you just did that. And that completely set the tone for our entire relationship, I think, because yeah. like from night one, I mm-hmm. established, I do not need you for anything. Yeah, yeah. And it's important to you yeah. for him to know that. Which, you know, that's not how every woman would go about it. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, that's absolutely. absolutely fine. That's, that's absolutely how I wanted to go about not it. Not how I went about it. I was like, yeah. first of all, let me, let me get, well, I also was 26 when I entered this relationship with Joe. And at that point when I started dating, I was like, Here's what's going on. Here's the list of things that I am. Right. Here's the list of places. Hey, you you grew up in Oakland. I'm like, I don't want to live in Oakland. So if you want to get married and live in Oakland, like we shouldn't date because I don't want to live in Oakland. So that just also happens in your late 20s. You, get, right. you know, say who you are. But I was like, first of all, I don't need you. And I will take him with me when I buy myself nice things. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, second of all, 
I just bought a new outfit to impress you. And I did my makeup and I did my hair. Right. My Dyson cost me a lot of money. So you're going to pick up the check. And Joe's like in the corner, like, he's like, oh, and that's okay. so valid. <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, whatever makes anyone feel comfortable. I also think that was such a solid move because he didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. And that's it why I did set it. A tone. Yeah. Is because I, through watching him in his friendships, through other girls that he casually dated, because I knew him for a long time in college. Yeah. I was so aware of the fact that he was used to ha- playing a certain role and mm-hmm. he was used to a certain power dynamic, I guess you could say. Yeah. Not in a negative way, but just he was used to that role. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to shake it up and I yeah. wanted to sh- be like, yeah, I am a sh- never a little bit shocking. Yeah. <laughs> and he was so shaken up and he talked about it for like two weeks. That's that's actually so awesome. That's kind of my goal with Joe. I'm like, he never knows what I'm going to do next. Like, exactly. What am I going to keep am him I on their toes? Be- exactly. And I think like there's so many different ways that women can do that. And I think both of our first date experiences in their entirely opposite ways set that Uh tone. Absolutely. I think he honestly, I mean, yeah, that's probably what we're dating right now. He's like, what the fuck is like, it's always kind of a little bit exciting. Just a little crazy. (laughs) Okay. So switching gears a little bit, there are probably lots of people who want to grow their TikTok channel. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to make this episode about growing your TikTok channel because right. I really did want to focus on more insidious, the more insidious side of, of going viral because people don't really mm-hmm. think about it. But in today's TikTok landscape and from what you've done for the past three years, can you give any tangible tips to growing a TikTok mm-hmm. profile? Not only like I would say, I want to use the word rapidly because I feel like that again would kind of just it reminds me of just like cheesy content to gain right. followers, but gain gain a, a meaningful mm-hmm. presence on TikTok. Yeah. So community is king mm-hmm. for sure. And you don't just want a high following count. You want good engagement mm-hmm. because, well, one, if you're trying to make social media a career, that means you're going to be doing collaborations and sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And if people don't trust you, they're not going to care about yeah. your collaborations and sponsorships. So you need to have a community that aligns with you, that likes the things you like, that understands you, and that trusts you. Mm-hmm. Now, you shouldn't be going after all those things just because you want to sell people things. Mm-hmm. But you need to have a core. It's better to have a smaller following that actually cares about the content you post mm-hmm. than have, you know, a zillion followers who don't care at all. So I'm super active in my comment section. I always have been. I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm chat with people as much as you can. I try to answer as many comments and DMs as I can. I try to answer frequently asked questions as often as I can. I try to find the balance between making videos that are requested and balancing that with videos that I want to make. Again, if a bunch of people are asking for a specific type of video, try to cater to that. Mm -hmm. I think you, anyone who wants to grow their social media presence for any reason should have a very firm conversation with themselves before starting that process and ask themselves why Mm -hmm. and what do you have to say? I think people, a lot of people want to become influencers and they don't actually have anything to say. Yeah. And so figure that out. doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you have to have a super strict niche. It doesn't mean you can only post about one thing. Mm -hmm. But what what do you have to offer people? How are why are people going to follow you? That's very. You should important. have an answer to that question. Yeah. You should also have a strict conversation with yourself about what are you willing to share, knowing that anything you share can and will be held against you. Absolutely. In some way. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have that conversation with myself. Mm-hmm. I opened myself up so wide 
not knowing that things I that everything I said was going to be a reason someone disliked me at some yeah. point because that's the brutal truth. You could be saying something as easy as like sometimes I get sad. Yeah. And someone somewhere is going to use that as the reason why they hate you. Mm-hmm. So be aware of that. Okay. What about like consistency of posting? You post every day. Do you post multiple times a day? I try to. Consistency is definitely important to getting on the for you page. Okay. So on TikTok especially. I don't think I could offer advice on Instagram or YouTube because my platforms there are learning. so small. Yeah, yeah still nice. learning. Same. But for TikTok, it's definitely consistency. And I think, honestly, I think being really active in your comments. Okay. This is maybe generic advice, but there has to be some kind of originality to your content because you can find, you can go on your For You page right now and find 10 accounts that are making the same like aesthetic morning routine. Absolutely. And the same Amazon favorites. Mm -hmm. I used Um, to love those so much and now it's gotten so... I do still like them sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it's a really oversaturated thing. Market, yeah. And like those beautiful all white apartments Mm -hmm. are incredible. So that girl. But no one knows who you are. Yeah. If your videos look like everybody else's videos. So maybe inlay that content yeah. if you like it with content that is maybe a little. Something distinctive, something yeah. that's actually you, mm-hmm. whether it's really quirky and interesting apartment decor or whether you have a super specific style or mm-hmm. like me, you're, you know, bipolar and not a lot of people talk about that. Yeah. What do you have to offer that not everybody else does, mm-hmm. which is hard. It is hard. It is. It's usually the things that we're mm-hmm. most connected to that make us who we yeah. are, I think. So sometimes when people say, I mean, when I first got started, people were like, just be you. Like all you can offer mm-hmm. is yourself. And it took me a long time to realize what that means. And to realize that that is actually the key. It is. The I key. know it's like the number one thing people say. And mm-hmm. so it's easy to kind of roll your eyes and be like, OK, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, but no, that's it. That's it. But sometimes it's hard to find if you don't know who you are. So some yeah. introspection might be kind of nice. And don't be afraid to show the maybe more unorthodox hobbies that you have. Oh, yeah. I remember one of my most watched videos of last year was me getting dressed to go to a Renaissance festival, mm-hmm. wearing the full, like, Thing. corset yeah. and belt. And, like, and that was just me. That's a very niche sort of weird little interest of mine. <laughs> and I made that video, and then it blew up. It was so huge. Yeah. Because more people relate to your quirky little, like, inch, yeah, yeah, than you would think. Okay. That's good. That's really good advice. I could actually use that advice. Sometimes you're into weird things and you think no one else is, mm-hmm. but probably a million people are. Yeah, they are. Well, y'all go follow Mary. You're doing YouTube now, too. I am. Yeah, I'm trying to become more consistent with it. It's probably one of my favorite platforms, but it is the most time-consuming. It's the most time-consuming, but because you care so much and you like the platform so much, I'm really excited to see yeah. you start doing on there more she's also on instagram y'all can also shop her steve madden shoes her collaboration oh my god great plug. i have shared them already on instagram because i wear them all the time i love like a mule like that mm-hmm. and they're pretty easy to walk in with how they are, they are and they look so incredible at night mm-hmm. and in flash pictures Oh, I loved that. That was very intentional. emotion. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to put all of her links to all of her social media in the show description. So you can click on there and easily follow her on social media. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Peyton. I'm so excited to listen to this episode. (laughs) I know. 
Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. You can catch a new episode of Note to Self every Thursday. Please, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I always want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review if you have a sec. Follow Note to Self on social for all the behind the scenes action and more info about the show at NTS by PS on Instagram and at Note to Self Pod on TikTok. And I'll talk to y'all next week.